Image Podcast listeners, it is I, Golden J, and today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this podcast, I am hanging out with pasture, musician, nurse, vinyl collector, the one and only Todd Reimer. Todd, thank you so much for hanging out with me in this new thing that I'm working on called tentatively interesting people doing interesting things well thank you for having me it's, I, it's, it's cool to be here i'm super excited that you're here and uh, that you agreed to come do this with me uh you and i have known each other for a few years now um yeah. and to be honest i i know you but i don't know you so i'm very interested in getting into the aspects of all these things that you do um, you know, as, as a pastor, as a musician, as a, as a nurse, um, and, you know, uh, as, as I like to call him, uh, fat Billy Ray, I don't know if you've caught on to that yet, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> whatever works, just, Poor don't Andy. Me, just don't call me late for supper. <laughs> Poor Andy. He takes the brunt <laughs> of all my, no, no, then yeah, exactly. No late for supper calls here. We got the, we got the dinner bell ready. Um, yeah, uh, Andy's been telling me all about your vinyl collecting and uh did did he tell you how jealous I am of the Vinnie Vincent uh LP Ooh. that you found? Hey, that was a find. Yeah. Oh, that was just a local find at a uh, local indoor flea market. Yeah. I I couldn't believe that. He said you I mean it's in it's in prime condition. Yeah, in pretty good shape. Yeah. Oh. Man, I've been a I've been a Vinnie Vincent fan for a long time. I know that he's not the most popular of right. the uh, Kiss guitar players, or even even beyond in his solo career, he wasn't very popular with uh, with some of his bandmates. But right, super. I, I love that dude. I, you know, I Which love that music. There were not a lot of pressings of those records, so yeah, it is kind of cool to find it because there's not like uh, Michael Jackson Thriller where there's a billion copies floating around right right somewhere around here i have that i when i I bought it off ebay when i was uh when i was first uh got the internet uh was a 45 of the demo for uh boys are gonna rock oh yeah and it's a pink it's a pink vinyl i need to find it i got i got it stashed away somewhere but i can't remember where i put it right that's awesome yeah. yeah, this this is the fun stuff. So tell me more about the. Let's start with that since that's where we kicked off with. Let's talk about uh, your vinyl collection and what you kind of been after. What have you been looking for while you've been out there on the hunt? Well, you know, when you walk into a music store or a flea market or somewhere, you see a crate of records. You're obviously looking for something that you want to listen to. You know what I mean? Um, right. So I recently, within the last year, just kind of got back into vinyl. All my records stayed in a closet for 30 years, you know. And when I got my man cave, which was nice, it was right. like, hey, I got room for these things now. So, <laughs> you know, got myself a turntable, got my old records out and decided, yeah, this would be cool to add to this little at a time. And uh very easy to get obsessed with it because we've had things like ebay and discogs where <laughs> you, you want something you can find it you know oh, yeah. if you're, willing to, if you're willing to pay for it you know it's out there uh so you know it's mainly stuff that i really want to listen to i want to have on hand uh it's really nice to go into the man cave and because when i get deep in the man cave which is no pun intended uh i don't have cell phones anymore so oh. 
yeah, I can put my phone at the door of the man cave and stream music if I want to via Bluetooth to my stereo that's in the man cave. But if I'm deep in the man cave, I don't have cell phone signals. So that's kind of nice, though, you know, when you have a vinyl collection. So you just pick out what you want to hear. You know, you look at the record, read the lyrics, put it on your turntable. You know, all those things that people who collect vinyl love about the vinyl thing. I you know. You know, that's and we've discussed this uh, for for years about the fact that with with vinyl and the sleeves and you can just you can just lose yourself in some of the inserts and stuff like that. Whereas now with even streaming or even some of the uh, the CDs that came out over the past few years, there's just not much to them. There's there's not that artwork and, and the lyrics and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, limited for space. I mean, if you're talking about CDs, you know, little CD, you got a 12 by 12 album, they can fold a poster up that's, you know, almost six foot tall if they want. If they wanted to, yeah. 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 So, yeah, big, the new Chili Peppers albums came with big posters, you know, if you bought the deluxe edition. Uh, Not that I'm hanging up posters or anything, but it's (laughs) pictures of flea on your wall. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of cool to have that stuff if you're listening to it and you wanted to unfold it and look at the people who made the music. And yeah, it's it's a different if it's a different niche that you don't get. You definitely don't get it from streaming. No, definitely not. I mean, I suppose you could probably go look at a website while it's streaming and, and there might be something there, but. Who wants I mean, to do that? No, I think we all stare at computers long enough as it is, yeah. let alone that that's what you're going to do while you're trying to relax in the man cave while yeah, just yeah. listening to some music. Man, the, the man cave sounds amazing. I've heard all kinds of stories about it. Uh, are you doing, uh, are you, do you have like wall space that you have you built shelves up for all the vinyl then? So, yeah, I mean, not for all. Uh, I have a, a shelf of prominence. <laughs> you know that, that that is lit that you know you can the top of the shelf i can put double albums and display them uh and then you know the bottom shelf holds maybe a couple hundred right on but you know i probably have maybe pushing 400 so i have a couple roll around crates that you know most of the other records reside in right kind of the stuff that's you know the 99 cent uh john parr uh you know <laughs> trying to weed through i really don't want any stuff like that you know what i mean there's, there's so much good stuff out there you just don't you know unless you're like my friend mike barry who has three thousand vinyl <sighs> records wow you know and he's dedicated his man cave which is twice as big as mine he's dedicated most of that space to just housing the vinyl right you know, unless that's who you are, you, you know, I, I just can't have records that I might once in my lifetime put on my turntable. Right. Right. You know what I mean? That was, that was the thing with me is that, uh, you know, uh, uh, I gave Andy a big box of stuff that I didn't want. And, uh, and my collection is, is very limited to, just the people that uh, that I definitely want to listen to, you know, the Huey Lewis or the uh, I think I got a day, a couple of David Lee Ross, you know, just stuff like that. However, I don't know if you can see this. Let me move. Let me move. Can you see that right there on my wall? It's right there. That is my pride and joy. Uh, it is the re-release of uh, my favorite band, Flickerstick, uh, their first album, which was in 2001 nice that's the one that's the band that me and andy and uh skyler went down to uh, uh dallas to see yeah. but that is my autograph copy with all five original members uh the yeah yeah i paid for that too let me tell you <laughs> it wasn't cheap did you get that recently in dallas no actually i ordered that through uh through their fan site you know um because the fan site's actually run by the band so that made it a little bit a little bit better but now, is that uh, as far as you've ever traveled to see a concert? That is as far as I have ever traveled to see a show. My, my cat's clawing up the back of my seat. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? How far have you traveled? Man, yeah, I ask you that now. I was thinking uh, specifically, though, you know what I mean? I've seen concerts out in South Dakota when I was out there already for a motorcycle right. trip, but to specifically go for a concert. 
you know, probably only a couple hours. I right. I think one. Yeah. Um, the, that was, uh, that was a long, there was a longer trip. I, I don't know if you've ever been there, uh, Blossom, uh, music center over in Cleveland. We did that four hour trip one time to see 30 seconds to Mars. Wow. Um, but we, we made sure that we made the most of our time. We, we, uh, left early, uh, did the rock and roll hall of fame yeah. and, uh, you know, then went to the concert that night and then come back home on Sunday. But yeah, definitely worth the trip. I would, I would recommend if you like, if you like centers, like, um, a Ruoff or whatever Calypse or whatever it's called now, uh, this one was better. I, this is way better, but it's way bigger. You spend a lot more time walking to the venue and yeah, but it's a beautiful, beautiful state park that they have this venue in. So now that I think about it, I guess Nashville, Tennessee, right we, actually, we went down there specifically to see Joe Bonamassa at the Ryman. And, you know, we made a little vacation out of it. Yeah. But, but the intention, the whole reason we went was for the Bonamassa concert. So that was probably, yeah, that was definitely the farthest. And, and because of you, that's how I became to know Joe Bonamassa. Uh, I didn't, I, uh, until, until we talked about it and, you know, we kind of, uh, I think we were at the slash show. I think we talked about Bonamassa a little bit yeah. and, uh, that's how I got to know him. Um, what, yeah, what an amazing guitar player and just fun to listen to. And, but you are like the Bonamassa super fan. Am I wrong or? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I am a big fan of his just, you know, he's very good and to, to watch his career arc. You know, I was listening to him when he was still driving his own little tour bus, you know, right. I mean? so yep. and now he's the mega star that he is. So it's kind of cool to watch somebody from that uh, stage all the way through and then for him to stay as humble as he really is and uh, and branch out the way he has now with everything he does. and The blues crews and pretty much has their own record label. They're not they, they're kind of against record labels, so it's not really a record label, but they're they're developing and recording for other artists and stuff. So, yeah. So, so his quote unquote label is doing other acts and just besides his own. Well, I know that he, he is uh, like producing other artists, like the, the current Eric Gale's album. Uh, he's a, I think he's a co-producer on Joe Bonamassa. Right on. So, yeah. So that slides us into uh, you, Todd, as the musician, and you have been playing for um, many years. <laughs> yeah, since I was 14. Got my first guitar, 14th birthday. So, What was that first guitar? Uh, I actually talked my mom into ordering me uh, a guitar. It looked like the Randy Rhodes, uh, you know, Jackson. It looked exactly like it, but it was from the Sears catalog. So it was the, was it the Flying V, Jackson? It was not a complete V. It was like the the shorter, you know, the bottom part of the V was shorter. I don't know gotcha. what they call that body style for yeah. sure. But, so, but it, but it was white with a black pick guard and a black headstock. And it even, it looked like a Jackson headstock, but it was not. I don't even know who made it, where it was made. Right. It was a Sears, Sears catalog, uh, you know, little kid looking in a Sears catalog. I want that cool <laughs> guitar. And, you know, she got an accompanying amplifier, which, of course, had absolutely no distortion whatsoever. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Back yeah. in uh, back in our younger days, the, they didn't come with, with distortion built into it unless yeah. you cranked it to 11 and call, <laughs> called that your distortion. Yeah, and even then, this thing wouldn't do anything. So. <laughs> that was the first thing to be replaced was the chintzy uh, transistor radio amplifier. But, yeah. But it was nice of her. I got that for my 14th birthday and I instantly got, you know, unpackaged that stuff and cranked everything to 11 and started bothering the neighbors right away. Exactly. They uh, they knew right away that you were now a guitar player. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So at 14, you get your first guitar. And just out of curiosity, what happened to that guitar? Um, I ended up trading that um, because... You know, I read Circus Magazine, uh -huh. you know what I mean? Yep. And I was a fan of hair metal, and I knew that Kramer guitars were good guitars. Right. 
I thought, you know, if I had a better guitar, I'd be a better guitar player. Oh, yeah. 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 So, you know, this Sears guitar is holding me back. (laughs) (laughs) So it wasn't long till I took that to uh, Plymouth to Wagner's music. You probably been there over the years. Oh, my God. I I miss Bill so much. Great, wasn't he? He was amazing. You know, we just don't have places like that anymore. It was very unfortunate. So I went there as a dumb kid because I heard he had Kramer guitars, you know. Right. And stumbled into the music shop, had that Sears. So he took it on trade. And basically the guitar I got was a Kramer. Was it a striker or a focus? Because they had some cheap lines of Kramer, you know. Right, right. And they called them different names. I think mine was a striker, but it was the exact same body shape as the Sears guitar. (laughs) 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 But it was all black. Yeah. You know? Okay. And but it was a Kramer. It said Kramer on the headstock. So I'm uh-huh. gonna be a better guitar player. Yeah. So you know, I traded that Sears guitar, and I don't even know if how much money or I can't remember none of that. But that's what happened to the Sears guitar, and it became a Kramer black nice. guitar. It was a white Sears to a. And I was uh, not instantly better. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird how that works out, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I did this. I did the same thing. I went from uh, a no name um, guitar that my mom had sitting around. That's what I learned to play on to, uh, you know, I, I had some odds and ends in between there, but to that, uh, that uh, pink Ibanez that, uh, that I actually still have hanging on my wall to this day. That, yeah. That, uh, you know, I love that guitar. I'll never part with that one just because it, it was, but it, yeah, for some weird reason, it didn't make me a better guitar player. Well, I don't understand yeah. it. Yeah, I didn't get instantly better. But I had a whammy bar. <laughs> yes, the Kramer did have a whammy bar. That was it, too. I don't think the Sears did, if I remember right, because I didn't have it real long. Uh, but the Kramer did have a Floyd Rose. It wasn't locking, though. Right. It, Floyd Rose made a bunch of different tremolos back in the day, and they kind of had a contract with Kramer. Floyd right. Rose, really, they were together, Kramer and Floyd Rose. And so it was basically a two post post non-locking Floyd Rose. It did say Floyd Rose on it, which made also, I knew I was cool. Oh know? yeah. Yep. And so, yeah, it had a tremolo, which uh, elevated my status. I thought, Oh, but oh yeah. 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 It, it didn't help my playing. <laughs> <laughs> and it probably, cause the Ibanez was locking. So I, I was very fortunate that, but, uh, probably didn't do a lot for your tune at that at that point too. I mean, it a did couple teach dives. Me how to tune. <laughs> it did yeah, teach me how, one time of using it, and I'm tuning. So, uh-huh. so I went from you know, and, and I did learn relatively quick how to tune from ear, you know, and uh, God did bless me with the talent of uh, music, and I was able to hear things like that. And then, so since I was tuning so much, you know, one of my guitar friends showed me how to tune with the harmonics. Oh, you nice. Know, yep. Just the strings, you know, on the fifth yep. fret, the strings. So, yeah, I got pretty proficient with that guitar at tuning because I had to tune every time I used the one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember. Uh, yeah, I, re- I remember that uh, one of the first songs I ever learned how to play was uh, Nobody's Fool by Cinderella and that opening. So that opening A, that opening, just that uh-huh. one string on the, the fifth string, the A string that was my starting note when I would try to tune by ear. I never quite got it 100%, but, uh, you know, I was always close enough that I could, that I could stay relevant with what was going on, but yeah, I always close had one for rock and roll. That is right. When you put distortion on, it's all good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, you get the Kramer, um, I'm assuming, uh, and I got a DOD and I got a DOD distortion pedal at the same time I got the Kramer. Nice. That was from, that was from Wagner's. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Remind me someday to tell you my big Wagner stories about monitors. Not for this show, but I'll tell you sometime. It's a great story. Uh, so you move on. Uh, I'm thinking what you what you're 15, 16 when you traded up for the Kramer. Uh, it, yeah, somewhere it was pretty quick. So like probably between 14 and 15. Right on. Yeah. Did you did you start your first band back in those days? Yeah, or definitely. Yeah, by the time I was 15 and playing a year, I was able to play enough to get a couple buddies and have a band in my mom's garage. Yeah, so, and we played, uh, I still remember that. Well, the 
the first band I was in, we couldn't, the other guys couldn't play much. We tried to play some kiss songs and, you know, right. So I met these older kids, like, uh, they were one grade ahead of me in school, you know, and I was starting to grow my hair long and it's like, Hey, do you, yeah, I play drums. Well, you know, I play bass. So they brought their stuff over, set it up in the, my mom's garage. And we played two songs we played and I, maybe I still have the tape recorded on my jam box. Right. We played Judas Priest, another thing coming. Yep. And uh, Poison. Uh, uh, not, it was off Look What the Cat Dragged In. I'm, I'm going to say Talk Dirty to Me. Yes. That yeah. was it. Yeah. <laughs> so we played those two songs, and we actually thought we were full-blown rock stars. Yep. You know, that was it. So, yeah, I, that was... And that was that was definitely by that was about fifteen, yeah. Yeah, I I know those two songs extremely well because uh, if you would have thrown Crazy Train in there, you would have had my opening set list. <laughs> I wasn't good enough to play Crazy Train yet at that, point, you know. Oh those man, were the only two songs we could play at that point. <laughs> yeah, we played uh, we played Talk Dirty Me till uh, till the cows came home. Uh, it's so funny that even now, the the last jam band that I that I played in um, for a buddy of mine that was one that was on the list, and oh, wow. it's like wow, I haven't played this song in years, but it just there it was, all came right back, and it'll teach you to play bar chords, right? Oh man, that's yeah. Well, uh, you know, I was a uh, me personally, I was a power chord guy for a long time before I really ever even got into a lot of the actual full chords and bar chords and all that stuff. So yeah, mm -hmm. I got my teeth on power chords and eighties metal. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I, I did take, I did take at Wagner's probably three months of the Mel Bay guitar method, which taught you the, the open chords. So right. I took, and then I got really bored with that and I'm like, can't you teach me anything else? And so the guy started teaching me bar chords, you know, because uh, right. he, he he was a good teacher and then the, he got a different teacher and that guy um was really a heavy metal freak and so basically all he did was teach me how to play uh you know heavy metal songs which right. that's where i learned how to play those two songs that we that i played with those guys because the guy at wagner's had showed me how to play them so yep yep yeah those were a staple for that for that time period of uh um, doing that that and that was what i always uh instilled in the students that i had and i haven't had a many of them but you know we would start off with a couple uh couple of regular chords to get them going get their get their fingers you know kind of stretched out and then teach them a song because i didn't want them to get bored you know just playing chords you know you wanted to right. give them something to be excited about so yeah uh, kudos to that guy for showing you some good old heavy metal <laughs> yeah so uh, as we progress into your teenage years and into your 20s, uh, I'm assuming there were bands and and of all sorts along the way. Definitely, um, yeah. Any, anything of any prog, I mean, you know, uh, we've cut, me personally have cut records through all the years, but never anything of any major stature. How about you? Did anything kind of, did you? Oh, nothing, ever, <laughs> nothing ever took off. We recorded a lot of stuff, so. Yeah, I played with those first guys, and I had that Kramer, and that got ran over. Oh. I had a guitar get run over. Yeah, we was loading the truck and left it sitting next to the truck, and when he backed oh. out, they backed right over it. But uh, so my mom's insurance actually bought me my Charvel, which I still have. You know, nice. Charvel, Charvel <laughs> Model 1. Better guitar, and I, you know, and I and I did all I did was uh, go to school and come home and play my guitar. Right. I didn't do any school homework. I have no idea how <laughs> I passed high school. I don't know how I graduated because I can tell you I didn't do any homework because I didn't have time. I was running to my room and playing guitar, uh, either learning from cassette tapes or albums. You know. Right. Yep. And. Uh, that's all I did. So that, that ends up paying off, you know? Oh, so yeah. by the time I was 16, still before I had my driver's license, I found myself in a band with the guy who was teaching me at Wagner's how to play guitar. Oh, nice. I got hooked up with some older guys, much older, like 10 years older than me uh, in Rochester who were forming a band. 
and we needed a lead guitar player because I still wasn't good enough to be a lead guitar player. And I'm like, I know a guy, if he'll come, that guy that was my guitar teacher. And he, he came and checked it out. And so we, you know, while I was, when I was 16, I was going to bars on the weekends playing Friday and Saturday night uh, at the local nightclubs, if you will. And we were just a cover band for quite a while. And uh, then eventually we decided to write originals and we, we recorded, you know, maybe 10 or so, but right. it's not like we sent them to a record company and got a deal or anything. But right, right, right. We were rock stars on our own mind. And- oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you get to play in some of those nightclubs and all your friends, uh, well, not your friends at 16. Uh-huh. That's That was yeah. always my problem was is that yeah. uh, at 16 and 17, 18, you know, the, my friends couldn't come. They were all, you Definitely. know, you you played some venues that uh, that you could find that was an all age, so they could come come to that one. But and we did, yeah, we did play a few. Well, we played some pool halls. There was a pool hall in Rochester that had a big back room. We used to uh, play there, you know, a couple times, two or three times we played there. So there was a few times where you know I could play in front of my high school friends, but right. I was just totally immersed in that whole you know, that's what I was going to do. Just going right. to play guitar. I didn't care about anything else. So, yeah. Yeah. I remember those days extremely well. <laughs> so, and I know you still play today and uh, you, you still are as nimble as I'm, as I'm sure you were back in those days, because uh, I've, I've been fortunate enough to share a stage with you for a couple songs. And I know, I know what a great guitar player you are. Uh, but okay. So, at what point did you realize that you needed to, um, you know, financially set up and move on with your move on with life because you knew music wasn't going to get you there? Yeah. So, you know, I um, definitely when you it, you get to the realization that you got you're going to have to provide for your for your wife and kids, you know, and hundred dollars a weekend playing in bars is not going to pull that off right you know, yep and that, especially when you know you got to work probably 15 hours a week to make that hundred dollars <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh yeah so you know get a haircut and get a real job you know it right there yeah. <laughs> so for for me which came first uh the rn going into the studies to be a nurse or uh the call from God to be a pastor? Um, well, that's an interesting question. So um, I definitely started my career at just a local factory and I happened okay. to get into a good one. That was a good paying factory. It was UAW. So um, I, you know, as far as I was concerned at that point, raising my kids and being married, I was just going to retire from there. You know right. what I mean? Yep. And it was at that point also that uh, that uh, Rachel, my wife, and I, we got saved um, during that time. I was working at the factory, um, which was really good. It was shortly after we got married, and so we, you know, we we had different goals in life, obviously, than before. Right. And but I wasn't called to be a pastor at that point. Um, but I was called into the music ministry. Um, at the local church we were going to, because at that point, way back then, 1997, uh, contemporary worship in local churches was rare. You know, usually it was just a piano and an organ. Right, and right. A book. So the church that we ended up going to, they wanted to have contemporary worship, at least the pastor did. And with drums and guitars and bass and everything. And so I was like, hey, I, you know, I, I know all about this. So so I was called to that music ministry definitely early on, like very shortly after I was saved. And, right on. Uh, then, you know, the factory thing went away. They uh, moved to Mexico. Like so many, <laughs> like so of, many of our, them did, yeah. Of our manufacturing did. Uh, NAFTA went through. Even after uh, Clinton promised the UAW he would never sign NAFTA into law. <laughs> and we voted for him. You know, the union was all behind Bill Clinton, because yep. he was our man. And the first thing he did was sign NAFTA, <laughs> which directly affected me. I mean, directly, you know, right. as soon as NAFTA, 
this factory that I worked at was an automotive stamping plant. They closed up. They moved straight to Mexico. But the good news about that is part of NAFTA, which I guess I shouldn't complain about it now, was built into that was a retraining program. So that actually paid for me to go to nursing school. Oh, nice. So, uh, yeah. So at that time, when I lost that job, I did apply and went to nursing school and was was in the music ministry, the Christian music ministry at the same time. And then subsequent to that, I was called to the pulpit to be a pastor. So it was, it's been a process. It sounds like it. It sounds like, uh, the kind of the, uh, it is the old one door closes another one opens, uh, scenario for sure. Right. So since 97 and I'm sure, you know, many years, uh, of, uh, what is, what is the length of studying in the medical field to become an RN now? Is it, uh, is it four years? Yeah, for the most part. Um, there's a few associate programs around where you can get two years and get a and set for your boards to be an RN, a registered nurse. Yeah. Right on. So basically early 2000s, uh, you uh, got your uh, got your uh, what do I want to call it? You got your you got your letters behind your name, basically. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was actually 2006. So um, the factory thing held out until 2000. You know, okay. we got we got saved in '96. I got called to the music ministry '97. The factory thing kept going until 2000. Uh, then it it fizzled, and I applied for NAFTA benefits and was denied for almost two years because the company lied and said they didn't take our jobs to Mexico. Oh. And, and then you, <laughs> UAW had to take them to court and it took a couple years. So during that time, I, I went in uh, business with a Christian friend that I had met at church when we had a lawn care business together, which is now Pastor Johnny, who's at Solid Rock. He oh, and right I had a lawn care business starting in 2000 uh, for it basically took me through nursing school as well. And I graduated nursing, nursing school in 2006. Nice. And, yeah. Now, how do you, how do you like that? I mean, I've been in healthcare for 30 years, not in, not in the actual patient part of it, in the rest of the part of it, uh, you know, shipping, receiving, you know, so on and so forth with all the different hats that I've worn there over the years. Uh, how do you perceive it? today as compared to what it was you know in say 2006 or in my case even you know 1990 when i started there what was a 92 i do believe um what is your perception on a medical uh, medical care as far as what it was to where it is now and all the pot i don't want to get into politics per se but kind of all the the avenues that politics has taken that uh that field well, healthcare has radically changed as far as if you're talking about, well, actually, if you're talking about anything, but definitely from a hospital perspective, you know, when, when I first started, it was, it was really changing because I talked to some of the old timers. Right. And back in the day, your, your family doctor did everything for you pretty much. So if you came to the ER and you needed attention, they called your family doctor right, way back. Right. We're talking like back in the seventies and your family doctor would get up in the middle of the night and drive to the ER and sew you up or take care of you. They didn't have an on-staff physician. Right. They had a couple of nurses and a medic, you know, in the ER back in the day. Uh, so that, that obviously has radically changed over the years. So, but when I started in 2006, there were still family doctors who were coming to the hospital and seeing patients some yeah and there was also a move to have hospital doctors yep. so if you go to the hospital a hospital doctor would manage your care and now that move is completely in place there is zero family doctors at least at, at our hospital who see patients in our hospital it's 100 percent uh, if you're an inpatient in the hospital, your care is provided for by a hospitalist, yep. which is a doctor. All they do is work at the hospital. 
So we have nocturnalists, the, the doctors that cover the night shift, and that's all they do. And then there's day shift doctors that uh, work the day shift. And between them, they just manage the patient care. And they don't really manage it. Uh, they don't really confer with your family doctor. You know, people may think that like, oh, they're calling them. You know, they're no, they don't. Right. <laughs> you know, it's it's not. So it's kind of unhinged in in my mind. Like you're totally being managed by somebody else, and then when you get when you leave, you're going back to somebody else. And um, I don't know that it's you know. I mean, it seems to work, and I understand a lot of the reasons why that happened. But because of that, because of that paradigm it has really started to, and I mean, really started to, uh, affect smaller hospitals. Um, you know, there, there's some holdouts like Woodlawn and Rochester seems to be holding out right. as a small independent hospital, but most small town hospitals have had to merge with bigger hospitals and in doing so they usually lose a bunch of the services they did provide because the bigger hospital provides those services and it's too expensive to provide those services at both locations. Right. Right. And then people end up driving like you see, you're seeing OB units close across rural America. And pretty much if you're pretty soon, I'm pretty sure if you're going to have a baby in this country, you're going to be doing it in a bigger city because the smaller hospitals aren't going to have OB units because they're very expensive to maintain in the paradigm that we're in, because the hospital has to employ its own doctors to manage uh, the OB units. And in a small town, you're only, you're having maybe 150 babies a year. It's not enough to pay for everything. And so even though they may want to offer that service, it's too expensive. Yeah, the 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 hometown small town doctor who delivered uh, your mom, uh, your grandma, and your great grandma, uh, you know, is no longer uh, no longer even there. I mean, there's not that dynamic anymore. It's uh, um, you know, obviously, it's been several years since we actually had uh, you know our daughter. You know, she's 23, I think now, and and right. you know, uh, we had a we had a family doctor who came to the hospital at that point that was that was late 90s but uh so i'm not exactly 100 sure what they're doing if the obgyns are coming in to deliver or whether they're doing it via who's ever in the ob now i don't really even know well we had our son he's 25 well we had him in 1998 in winnemac hospital which they now they no longer have an ob unit it, so completely gone nobody's having babies there because they don't have an ob unit so right. and at that time it was our family doctor came and uh and and took care of things um but yeah. it was it wasn't cost effective for them so they they don't have an ob unit anymore and then the rumor goes around at every small hospital that they're on the chopping block and the reason is is because they're not making enough money to sustain that right, right. And so it's, uh, it's still evolving. Yeah. You know, it, it, and I don't know where, how it's going to, you know, it directly affected me because Plymouth hospital just recently closed down their intensive care unit, which I've always been a critical care nurse. Right. And I, you know, that's where I work and I don't work there anymore because there is no intensive care unit. Now I work on the general medical floor, which they've labeled a step down unit, which, you know, we do take care of more, you know, critical patients than they used to, but it's still not a critical care unit. Right on. So anyone so, needing those services gets shipped to Mishawaka. Right, right. Yeah. To the, once again, to the bigger hospital. Right. You are in the midst down and dirty wearing, uh, I'm sure every PPE that you could get your hands on in the middle of COVID too, weren't you? Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, I was taking close enough. Of the sickest of the sickest, yeah. you know, in the critical care, we were taking care of the sickest of the sick ones. You know, saw a lot of bad cases and a lot of people on ventilators and yeah. Uh, and yeah. Naturally have to wear respirators, uh, you know, positive air pressure masks and all that stuff. Yeah. There, uh, 
I always said, you know, we we've had long discussions with a lot of different people about COVID, um, you know, and, you know, the feelings one way or the other on it, but it doesn't get any realer than standing in the hallway watching uh, an RN or a tech actually put on those, um, you know, those protective uh, suits with the with the uh with the fans and the tubes and all that stuff it does not get any realer than that in that moment which i'm sure you were completely all suited up with the yeah with all that stuff but yeah um i don't know man thank you thank you for doing that thank you that i don't have to you know that i didn't have to do that You, you stepped up and went and did that and and took care of people and i'm sure you've seen the good and the bad the 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 good ones that came out and the bad ones who didn't I'm sure you got right. all yeah. of that, uh, all that stuff, but, but yeah, man, thank you. Thank you for taking care of that. So I didn't have to, and, and my wife didn't have to, and it's, something it. I found, it's just something you find yourself in, you know, Yeah. and it's, it's just weird to explain how it all, I remember the first, very first, you know, patient that we had that was bad COVID and it had been in the news and, you know, people were afraid of it. And, yeah. and it was like, when I was going in that room, it was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm going in, you know, it's like, uh, no, yeah, no. I don't know what's going to happen, but here we, here we go. Cause there's nobody else here to do it. So yeah. I'm, I'm doing it. Yeah. It was, uh, it was definitely an interesting time. I mean, uh, of course, you know, I, I personally, you know, and I, and you did too. I, I mean, I worked all the way through it. Uh, I actually liked the lockdown. I was a real big fan of it because, you know, I could, I was going to be out and about anyway, but there was nobody else out there with me. So it, the roads were clear. <laughs> 31 and going to Rochester to Plymouth. That was really kind of surreal. You being the yeah. only car on a four lane highway. It was like something from a movie. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was bizarre. But when everything I, was really shut down real tight there for a few weeks. Yeah. Um, we were the only ones, the medical people were just about the only, and the police were just about the only ones out on the roads. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was insane. I remember, uh, and I'm sure you had one. They wouldn't give me one because I don't know why they they, they wouldn't, but uh, did you have the pink slip of paper that actually said that you were a medical per, professional and that's what you were out doing? Uh, they just told us to use our name badge that said RN and oh, right on. In Plymouth Hospital. Nice. (laughs) Well, okay. Let's switch gears. Just a, just a pinch. Uh, I know that, uh, uh, you are the pastor of solid rock church. And I know that you, during the COVID times, you guys, uh, were fortunate enough to, and I know there was some time when you were shut down, but you guys were fortunate enough to be able to open your doors back up. Uh, even in the midst of all that to bring uh, to bring it uh, the congregation back into your back into your church. Uh, but at that time, I remember that you guys actually were doing a lot of the YouTube to get the sermons out and stuff like that, which you've continued on uh, to even up to today. You guys are still um, doing uh, YouTube. What is, what is it? Uh, solid Rock get solid tv there you go i i knew it three words <laughs> i always say that every week from the pulpit three words get solid tv <laughs> so uh let's back up on on that side of it and the solid rock church now um stop me if i'm wrong because it's a good possibility you were you were the pastor and then you left and came back to solid rock or uh work me through that so this is our 20th anniversary this year 2023 we started in 2003 and we started with uh four families um at the time and so i've been there from the beginning i never left um i i've always been involved with the music and was the music pastor for years um the our founding pastor ended up leaving and okay. then did at that point step into the pulpit um, and just have stayed there. Uh, still, still play sometimes when I can right. uh, with, the, with the praise band, but mainly now uh, do the preaching uh, with a, 
with a couple assistant pastors, which is really nice. So, yeah. Yeah. It gives you kind of a, kind of a little bit of a, well, let's let, you know, you're the hardest working man. I know you're doing, doing all oh. that with the church plus, uh, working nights uh you know uh at, at the at the hospital man i don't know how do you keep up with all of it catch yourself coming and going sometimes <laughs> time to make the donuts baby right. <laughs> uh i did hear that you played a couple was it last sunday or the sunday before you played uh uh coming off of the winery dogs concert that you were at in wabash uh yeah that I, was something <laughs> I heard it was an amazing performance at the church that day. Maybe I was inspired. Yeah. Uh, yes. Well, you should have been. <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't know if you know Richie Cozen, but that guy can play guitar. I mean, wow. He's a shredder I, from back in the day. And, I, I do. I, I know that that particular band is just, just solid stack from basement to ceiling of talent yeah, billy sheehan yes I mean, yeah. yeah yeah and uh, uh portnoy on drums yeah. i mean um yeah, yeah. It was something it, to behold so yeah so yeah you watch the show like that and uh you either you know burn your guitar for firewood or <laughs> or or you're uh you know you just you get out there and see if you can uh you know do something with yeah. it so yeah it kind of gave me a little boost to try a few things but yeah as well plus it should plus it had been a while since i played with the praise band so i was really excited to be up there uh playing praise and worship music and uh just real happy you know right on so get solid tv is the youtube uh you guys actually didn't help me out here you guys have a website right we have, we, do, we have a website, uh, get solid.org is the website. Okay. And the YouTube channel is get solid TV, but it's three words, get, and then solid and then TV. And we do, we live stream now on YouTube every Sunday. Yeah. I, th I thought I'd heard you guys were doing the live stream stuff now. Cause you guys upgraded all of your equipment in there. Yeah. Um, since, uh, uh well i think the last time the last two times that uh maybe just the last time the family's helping families um we really just had to get a real powerful gaming computer that could process the audio and video fast enough to live stream right Here, i always thought our holdback was going to be like upload speed and like it was going to be the internet's uh, issue and really right. That's not an issue at all. If you have a beast of a computer, which my son picked it out, and this thing is a beast. <laughs> I mean, it, it's basically idling as it's live streaming our stuff. Right, right. You can it see the smoke. So much, it could do so much more. You know, <laughs> what you don't want to see is smoke. We tried it once with a with what we thought was a good Mac laptop, and man, it about burnt that thing up. You know what I mean? You got to yeah. have a big computer with fans built in it. And so once we got that, it's it, no problem. Yeah. You know, it does the live stream without hiccup. So you got to love it. Really the big, that was the big upgrade, really, for the most part. We, we did have to get some other components, different video mixer. Uh, so we could everything now goes through HDMI. So the video and the audio is embedded the cool part about the video mixer we have is it actually does the embedding in the mixer. So I, I run the feed from the board, you know, we're kind of geeking out now with sound <laughs> stuff, but I know you know about it. So I do. I have, love it. I love it. We have a digital board, but I do run an analog feed from the digital board to the, the video mixer and our video cameras are running HDMI into the video mixer. Yet we're, I have, I don't use the microphones on the cameras because I'm using, the audio from the board yep but then it embeds that audio to that digital video and puts it all as a digital signal and sends it through an hdmi cable to that computer and that computer then uh processes it then puts it up on youtube sends it through the internet to the to youtube for a live a live feed and it, and it works really good 
Nice. Nice. I know that you guys have spent a lot of time really hashing that out and getting the system that you wanted in there. And, and, uh, you know, from head to toe, uh, you know, even from the stage, the stage uh, equipment back all the way to the very back. And, and, uh, yeah, I know that, uh, it's, it's serving you well. Um, you talked about four families starting off. Uh, you guys have a pretty good sized congregation at this point, right? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, spring break last week, we were a little bit slim last Sunday. <laughs> we have a lot of young, young families and a lot of babies. Uh, we're having a baby dedication coming up and there's, I think there's going to be six babies, you know, wow. young babies dedicated. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think we're around a hundred probably if I wanted to count everyone, nice. but as regular attendees, we don't do membership. So, you know, right. it's not like I can just go open the books and say, Oh yeah, there's so many members. We have. <laughs> the doors you are open for anyone who wants to come in. So, right. Yeah. Right. And, and, it, and has always been that way. I know that, uh, uh, that, uh, that's always been a thing is like, you know, everybody's welcome at any time. So if you're looking, I, I'm going to tell you, if you're looking for a place to go, Solid Rock Church is the place to go. It is, it truly is a family uh, in the congregation. Uh, you know, I've met a lot of them and the, you have a lot of great people and they put forth a lot of great effort to, to make things happen. You know, whether it be, you know, on a, on a, every Sunday thing or whether it's a special event like families helping families or, yeah. Uh, some of the other uh, you guys do uh, I mean I know I'm involved in the families helping families do you guys do other events throughout the season we try to um, we, we usually have a baptism over at Bass Lake which is kind of a cool thing to do out in the, the lake we do that towards the end of summer um, we of course we have the families helping families concert uh, we did have seventh day slumber at the church yes. last year which was a really awesome show Yes. Uh, were you there for that? I could. No, I was. Uh, I, I was. What was I doing? I I was DJing a wedding, or I'm pretty sure I was DJing a wedding that night. Uh, because actually, Andy had asked me. He had called me and asked me if I'd help with the load in, load out that that they needed, right. and uh, my schedule wouldn't wouldn't cover it because I was. I'm pretty sure I was DJing that night. So that was awesome. That was an awesome show. And they were gracious enough to allow me to live feed that. So it is on the Get Solid TV. You oh, right on. It's still archived there. Um, they used their own board, so I couldn't run a feed from their board, but I just set up two uh, room mics and run right them on. in stereo and ran them to the video mixer. But yeah. Yeah, I heard, I heard, uh, uh, I heard a little, a couple clips from, from them which obviously they sounded great, but I heard that they were just amazing people to be around. And, That's and, good. you know, that, that touring, that touring bands don't always, you know, get, you don't always get that with a touring band, but I heard they were pretty amazing. Yep. They were great people. And uh, yeah, they didn't, it's not, you know, they just played for whatever we gave them. So, right. you know, love offering. That's, that's, uh, that's some, that's some moxie to be able to be, to do that. That's, uh, that's pretty amazing that they can, that they can, uh, make ends meet and, and still be able to go and put on a great show and not have to worry about things that if that's yeah, all there, there's no, there's no fee, there's no charge or whatever, but you know, you know, part of the way they can do that. And it was explained to me by them, they own everything. So they own the bus, they own all their equipment, all their gear. So they're not really bound to anything right. or under any sort of pressure. So now when they go out on the road, it's just, they own it and they know that they're going out for, to do a ministry and right. that's what they do. So it's pretty awesome. Uh, I'm telling really you. good music. It was awesome sound. I was just blown away by the sound. <laughs> it's always really cool when you get that, when you get those acts in and you're like, how do they get that sound? I gotta, I gotta go look at all their gear real quick. <laughs> oh, I'd look at all their gear. Totally family operation too. So like the bass player's wife was the sound engineer. She was running the sound and yeah, she, man, she can mix. It was, she's nice. really, talented. she's really talented, you know? And yeah, it was, it was just a good, good show. That's awesome. 
Yeah. All right, Todd. Thank you so much for taking the time and uh, sitting down and, and doing this interview with me. Uh, once again, I think you're one of the most interesting people that I know. I think uh, if we could probably sit down and and talk music and and structures and and all that stuff for hours, mm-hmm. although you would probably uh, you'd probably watch me glaze over because you'd lose me in some of the stuff because I'm not quite as diverse in it as you are in some of the uh, the more uh, technical stuff. But I definitely could talk guitars and, and all that stuff with you for hours and hours. And uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to do it again. Uh, I yeah. would, I would love to uh, get you and Andy and, uh, and Gunner, whoever else wanted to go and do one of these South Bend record shows, one of these Sundays after, uh, yeah. after service and uh, go up and just watch you spend a ton of money. <laughs> Uh, I don't know about that. They have a bunch of stuff. My wife watching? No. No, no. Yes. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Bring the checkbook. Or yeah. Are you going to be playing? Are you going to be playing this year at the families helping families? Have, has Andy bounced you on that? Because I know he's got a date now. He has a date for the yes. concert. August twelfth is is the date for the families helping families. Uh, we've got uh, John the Revelator coming back. I do believe Todd Wolford is uh, going to be doing uh, doing some stuff, and more than likely, old Golden Jay will be back at the families helping families this year. Okay. I got to play a few weeks ago. the uh, The big reason I didn't do it last year is I was very out of practice and rusty and, and things were, I was having some issues with my hands and, and all that stuff kind of worked out. And I was fortunate enough to play with the boys a few weeks ago at a coffee house in Bremen and it went great. And so, yeah, I do believe I will be back. I'm just going to do a single set. uh, Probably me and the boys do it, come up and do an acoustic set and uh, just do our thing. And, and uh how about know. how about we work out a song i'll come up and play with you hey yeah anytime anytime i'll bring, I'll bring the acoustic up and we'll play okay. we'll, we'll do a song uh, i'll be thinking about it pick All it right. out yeah you let so, me know and i'll work it i'll work it out and have it ready cool i'll let yeah. you pick it just uh don't kill me too high on the vocals too much <laughs> i'm yeah, still a, yeah. i'm still a little rusty <laughs> we can work something out there's we can play magic with keys right we can oh yeah we can change the key of a song and yes we can yes we can. So high. Yeah. that's how i kill that's how i got i kill that creed song that uh that uh not creed uh radiohead song creep yeah uh, i dropped it uh, actually uh two full steps to be able to sing it and ah <laughs> uh, that's how you do it that's yeah. how i snuck around that one. Oh. I, I can't take credit for that. There was a kid on YouTube that did it and I loved it. It was amazing. And, and I always loved that song and to be able to do it and make it and make you feel like you've done it justice. Uh, yeah. It makes you feel really good. So it's, you know, it's, it's, I don't care how long you played or how old you are. You always learn something new along the way and some little yep. trick of the trade and, and it's always brilliant. So Todd, thank you so much. I so much appreciate you, and uh, thank you for coming on and doing this with me. And it's so good to see you. It's actually been a while since I've uh, ran into you. Yeah. I, I've been, like, all crazy all over the place and uh, haven't really even ma- made my way down that way uh, as of late. But I need to get down there and, and visit and hang out. and maybe yeah, We uh, didn't make it to the campground this year, I don't think. Yeah. I think that was like a year ago. So, or the previous summer. Yeah. Yep. We're well, hopefully maybe this year you'll get out there. Yeah. I'll have some some rye whiskey for you. How's that? Uh, I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'll, I'll drink the rye. You can have the soda or the water, whichever you prefer. (laughs) Never tastes good that day. (laughs) no exactly all right thank you so much bud let me do my let me do my plugs here real quick uh thank you for uh hanging out here on golden golden image podcast uh you know you can find us on all of your uh streaming web uh, streaming sites that you love to listen to your podcasts on uh we're also on facebook 
And, uh, you know, don't be afraid to go out and check out all the other podcasts on the Golden Mojo Entertainment Empire. That's right. We're building an empire here. You can check out The Call Guys on Mondays. Uh, On Wednesdays, it is the United States of Paranormal. On Thursdays, it is the Indiana Chiefs fans. And two shots on uh, Friday, you can listen to A Court of Books and Booze, or you can check out The Girls from Murder Nerds. That's right. If you like true crime, those are the girls to go check out. Thank you, everybody, for uh, tuning in. And uh, I'll see you guys again in a couple weeks. Later. Finally got a crap. Rock on! Oh! Wow! Don't